0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Fitspiration Podcast. I am your host, Ashia J, owner and creator of Ashia Jay AfroCardio LLC, and certified group fitness instructor. This is your podcast where health and wellness meet fitness and culture. We're talking fitness. We're talking dance. We're talking wellness. We're talking food. We're talking music and transformation. With hopes to give you some Fitspiration, motivation, and information. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode twelve of the Fitspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Ashia J, and today I have my special guest with me, Charlene McFarland. Hello, Charlene. Okay. Last name
1: soon to change. Oh, hey, do
0: I hear wedding bells? I'm just speaking out into
1: existence because the way
0: you've been speaking things into existence, I want some of that. Hey, absolutely, <laughs> amen. I'm here for it. speaking it into existence because you never know, things on the Fisperation Podcast coming to fruition. you are <laughs> Yes. So, you're here today as my guest to share your story um, yes. a journey you have been on, um, physically. Oh, but look, hold on, let me stop because I know I keep it light on the Fisperation podcast. So, before I go too much into Charlene, let me just say I've known Charlene. Girl, how long have we known each other? Junior, probably since 2000. No, oh. Hi. junior
1: high, junior high school. Oh my gosh, so 98?
0: 98, 98. Oh. 90. We were
1: the ones that almost got to make it to Freaknik. Almost (laughs) (laughs) not Freaknik. Oh
0: gee. Dad. Like when we were that age though, there was a lot of talk about freak and it looked fun and like like, oh if we go to college or whatever, we could go down there and do this and do that and like get away from our parents and have fun. Now look at it. What how many years later? They got this dang on doctor.
1: They would have been like, look at my teacher on the video. Girl! Because you have all that butt. <laughs> so they would have gotten like, wind and fast forward. <laughs> Not Charlene
0: telling my listeners <laughs> that have a butt, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, Honey, you always had. Honey, she doesn't have
0: a butt. She's had ass our whole life. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. Come in and be like, Miss Philippe. I saw somebody that looked like
1: <laughs> No, it would've been the parents for me. Every time you would have got smart, they would have pulled it out. Yes. Be like, <laughs> like I know you're not getting smart because I have um something to show you.
0: <laughs> is this is this you? Is this you? Yes. Man, oh day. What's crazy about that is I was looking at yeah, I think it was Facebook. And Luke, Uncle Luke, he's the one that put the documentary together. Yeah, I think him and Jermaine's a Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I I'll, I'll look at stuff and I'll be way behind like I didn't even realize so that was news to me. Um I haven't watched yeah. it. I do have what's well, on Hulu, right? I think so. Okay. I do have Hulu. I might watch it. I ain't going to know nobody on there and whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's interesting. But yeah, we just missed the Nick <laughs> generation. <laughs> We missed sure it. We missed it. We like what? Just a couple years behind. A couple Just years. A couple years. Yeah. Just yeah. A couple. But yeah. So like ninety eight, middle school. Grew up in the same yeah. neighborhood. Uh-huh. Rode yes. the same bus to school. Been to uh-huh. each other's house. All that like childhood friendship stuff. Charlene used yeah. to tell me like how to get my hair together with my micros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We used to have
1: good talks because I used to work. Down the street from your house, I would get up at a different bus stop so I could go to work, oh. and we used to have some good sister
0: talks. Yes, we did, so, for sure, oh my. which is why we're here now, because we're definitely about to continue with that same energy, because I feel like our energy <laughs> has always, like, been the same in that aspect of having just good, yep. candid ca- conversations from childhood, now even to adults, so yes. it's good to have you on the podcast. Um, So, yes, that's how I know Charlene, and she's here to share her, um, I would say, body positivity journey, maybe? I don't want to give it a label, but you can kind of tell us where. Okay, so, um,
1: of course, everyone knows about the pandemic, 2020 hit, the pandemic. So, I thought since the pandemic is here and you know, we're all having to be home. And once everything lets up, why not get a BBM? Oh, because I wanted, I've always had a little butt, but I wanted that ass that I talked about. has. I wanted that. I want you to see that thing um, <laughs> clapping as I walk past you. Okay. Ah. I wanted entrance and an exit. Okay. Girl. So I'm like, okay, preparing myself, looking up what I have to do, researching doctors, one year i think it was like 21 the next year after that i went to atlanta
2: mm.
1: got on the plane everything was fine um as soon as i came back home i couldn't breathe right like i don't know if i had covid well i know i didn't because i had to get the test mm. but like i had a very very hard time breathing so then all this time i'm getting um consultations for my body stuff i trying to make my appointment but you have to have all these doctor visits um, before, took pictures of um. I'm about to. I can send you the before. I was so big. I was 270
0: pounds big. No, that is too big for my for. Yeah. So wait, wait. I so work. let's back up. In the pandemic, <clears throat> we're quarantined. You gained yes. some weight. Is that what you're saying? I gained a lot of weight. Okay. I went from 160
1: something to 270. over 100 pounds really no matter, I to say yes I want to say almost two years I was just eating girl they gave us the P-E-B-T they, gave, <laughs> they just kept giving us food and kept giving us food then I was eating, trying new things I'm a sweet person so I would just have a whole cake to myself I wow. would have those oh my gosh you want to talk about Giants got the fruit I would go to Giants and get the sweetie buns with the um pecans on it Ooh. and just eat that all oh my i was just eating
0: so well, i'm a sweet person too so i totally totally get
1: it yes i joined the gym um just to try to get things tight because i didn't want to be sloppy and big okay um and i wanted to well, ask i um, had my surgery i wanted to already be in the process of um you know working out and stuff because mm-hmm. i've heard a lot of celebrities say you have to work out to keep your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I go to this one appointment and they're like, that's when
0: they say, okay, well, um,
1: mm-hmm. not right now. Sure. So, so I hold had on.
0: Asthma. Let's back up for another second. Hold on. Cause I want my listeners to get, I want to set this up for my listeners so they understand, um, where we're coming from with yes. the, bo- the body positivity, um, journey. Right. <laughs> yeah. So are
1: probably like, "Now, girl, that's not my."
0: But creativity. they're going to find out. They're going to find out. So that's that's cool. So let me ask you this: We were quarantined. A lot of people gained weight. Like it's safe to say at this point, post quarantine, post pandemic, twenty twenty three, it's safe to say at this point that was the norm, right? If you tell somebody, "Oh, I gained twenty, thirty, forty, fifty pounds over the pandemic," they're not gonna like. Look at you! Like what? Like they're gonna get it? Like that was that was yeah. that was the thing. So that's the norm. So from there, you gained one hundred, which is significantly a lot for anybody, yeah. but especially you because you are by nature a small frame woman. Like you always yeah. have been. Yeah. Um, and so with that, I, I want the listeners to kind of know what made you decide. I'm going to get a BBL. Was it a BBL plus weight loss surgery? Or was it like, when did that click in your head? Like, I want to go do some homework and get a BBL.
1: What? Social media. I mean, we were at home doing nothing. And that's all you saw. You saw people dancing on TikTok, people doing certain things on Facebook. And you're looking like, okay, I want my body like that. Like, you start to really pay attention more to yourself.
2: Mm. You, and then
1: I had my fifth child so i noticed that there were some things that after my pregnancy i was left with that i didn't want or that i wanted more of Mm. so that's what made me like really pay attention to my body to do that so after i sent over i had my consultation um i think his name was dr nip tuck i had my consultation um i took my pictures because you have to send pictures over with them
0: now dr nip tuck is in uh atlanta georgia yes Mm -hmm. and you found him on social media i did oh okay Mm -hmm. okay okay so i saved up my money and
1: i started doing all the things that he's told you to do once my doctor said that i had asthma i kind of said okay well let me just get the medication let me get the inhaler and everything they started running tests about to see what i'm allergic to and um you know, just a whole body thing. Mm-hmm. So he told me that at that stage my asthma was so bad he would not suggest anesthesia because my asthma had advanced. So if I would have anesthesia it would it would be most likely hard for me to get out, like to wake myself back up. And that's what they look for. They generally don't try to wake you up. They allow you to wake up. It wouldn't be a good idea. So I'm like, whatever. I'm going to go to another um, doctor. Do you know the on Lingustown Road, um, the allergy doctor—I forget his name now. So there's heard a doctor. Of him.
0: I've heard of the allergy doctor on Lingustown Road only because, and I don't know his name, but mm-hmm. only because yeah. my father goes to him because allergies run really bad in our family. Yeah. But before you talk about him, because you girl, you got a good story. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> before you talk about him, uh, Nip Tuck—he's in Atlanta, yeah, right. Yeah. But at yeah. this point with the had you flown down to get a consultation or is this just like all on the phone
1: it's all on the phone okay. I don't know if anyone at that time was on consultation personally oh right right was, right
0: okay yeah, Makes sense. We,
1: I did it on the phone and I had to um they called me they were very professional they called me several times to ask me a few questions to prepare me get a date um give my information for my doctors I went I don't smoke I'm Barely drink, Um, so I didn't have like the big concerns. It was just the asthma thing. Mm. So when he said no um, anesthesia, I thought to myself, "Dad, I'm not gonna be able to get this baby, no, because I gotta get. I wanted my stomach to be, um, so I was gonna gonna have to cut parts of my stomach because I have extra skin, and then I wanted my fat and my butt. So they weren't gonna be able to give me that whole thing because. I had my asthma was that bad.
2: Wow. So I went
1: to um I went to like other doctors to get other opinions and they all said the same thing. So I'm like, well, I know doctors that can do it if you're awake. So I start researching them. Come to find out that that wouldn't be a good idea for me to go to those doctors because they weren't necessarily certified to Mm. do this. Okay. So a lot of women, I think, miss that because it's not a lot of research done. So when I hear women that died or went to um, Turkey or went to Mexico, I'm like, did their doctor not tell them that it wasn't a good idea or did they care? So Because when you as went, soon as they told me that, so I think I was on my fourth doctor at this time. Okay. And as soon as they told me that, I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to lose this weight because I'm walking around with all this extra weight to get this BBL out that I'm not even going to be able
0: to get. So when you went Did you ever go to the doctor, the allergist on Linglestown Road? And listeners, when we say Linglestown Road, we're talking locally here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We don't know his name, but I've I've heard of him. So when you went to him, was it to kind of, was it like an allergy checkup? Like, what were you expecting from him as an allergist to get you along with your BBL procedure? Because asthma is triggered by allergies,
1: asthma is heavily triggered by, um, any allergy that you are um weak to. Okay. So I wanted to pinpoint which what I was what was making my asthma the way that it was so that it would be better for the doctors to be able to treat it. it. So that's why I went to him. Okay. I went to um someone had referred me to him.
2: Okay.
1: And and a lung doctor. So I was so afraid. A couple of years ago my mom lost her best friend to lung cancer. Mm. I was so afraid that it could have been that. So I was going to everybody. I had to to knock out what it could possibly be, just to make sure that if it was asthma, that was all it was. Mm, So that's why I started going to all these doctors. So once I pinpointed that and was able to narrow that down, I cut out the BBL. Because first you have to gain so much weight to get the BBL. You have to be a certain BMI. You have to be healthy to be able to do this Mm. because it is very dangerous to do this. It is one of the most dangerous procedures that you can have done to yourself. Just because if they don't put the fat in the right area, it can go into your bloodstream and you're not waking up. Mm. So it's very it's very um, important that you do your research on, um, on everything. Not to scare you, but just also to make sure that you're aware of what cost you're doing this at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, once they told me the anesthesia part, and even if I stayed awake, that wasn't it wasn't a good option for me because anything I'm allergic to dogs, cats, anything can set it off, and I would be on that table. How would they be able to treat it? How would my body react to that, and it would just wasn't a healthy decision mm. so to so all the ladies that got up off that table and were successful i thank god for their Mm life because some people it's more people that haven't that even haven't been um advertised because they're not gonna put that everybody on the news that that happened to right right but it's very very
0: blessing
1: that you're able to get up and keep you know go forward so when you went down
0: to atlanta that was just you were just for my birthday okay mm-hmm. okay that my birthday and that's yeah. what triggered you to wonder like what's going on i'm breathing yeah okay okay i'm breathing funny my body's different
1: um i, I just-, just i was sick the whole time like i could not breathe i just felt like i had a bad flu the whole time
0: now you said you then learned it wasn't COVID, but then was that like your light bulb moment where you were like, "I gotta, I gotta change my lifestyle. Like, I want better yep. for myself."
1: I was too damn big.
0: Okay, I was too big.
1: The weight when you are not a certain size and then you go and you put all this weight on yourself, it really damages a lot of your health. Mm-hmm. Weight is definitely weight gain is definitely for the black community, especially um, not spoken about that much. Well, in our culture it is, but I know that if like, why gain weight? They're probably going to be like, you know, you need to lose some weight, but nobody's going to say diabetes, high blood pressure, um, all this. Like they're really not going to make that a priority as they are going to
0: make your appearance a priority. Right. And so when you say your culture, you're specifically talking about Jamaican.
1: Yes. They will tell you. Like you don't see you're getting too big, you don't see you're getting too fat. You need to take it. Like they will say that, and um, that will make you too feel like okay. So let me, let me go lose this weight because no one wants to hear that constantly because they'll tell you every time. Mhm, mhm,
0: yeah. So Charlene is Charlene is Jamaican, and that's one thing. It's like in the black community, you know, you eat this and that. They don't speak on high blood pressure, diabetes, we are not, we're getting better now, but we are not as in tune to our bodies as we should be because in the black community, food is a form of celebration, celebration, thank you, celebration, Mm -hmm. and we enjoy good cooking, um, being with one another, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And the same would be true for Jamaicans, except because they're islanders and they keep it raw, they're going to be like, what's going on? (laughs) And theirs is more for appearance versus the health. But either way, nobody wants to be told you're looking kind of (laughs) heavy. You know? Um, So I get that. I get that. Um, So you did your homework. You decided... Not to go with the BBL because they couldn't put you under anesthesia because of your asthma. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So then you said, okay. And like you were saying to the listeners, like, bless God for the women who made it off the table because it is one of the most dangerous surgeries you can have. And I know when we were talking about you coming on the podcast, I was like, Charlene, no, you weren't about to do that. Like, I was like, like are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, when I only say like big sister mode. I was like, yes. don't was like, you dare. Get- yes. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. And I said, first of all, Charlene, you already have a nice body. I don't even understand what's going on right now. Why would you do that? Yeah. And then I said, I'm so- so, so, so glad you didn't go with, through with it. And God works in mysterious ways. It was your asthma, but it was also what made you not. Because you have five yeah. beautiful children. And no. You know? And so, I bless God for the change of heart that, in this instance, that essentially led you not to do it. Um. But so, yeah. here we are now. You decided not to get it. But now, yes. looking at you, it's like bada boom, bada bang, bada bow. So tell us what happened. Hey, y'all can't see her, but she's on of dance. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us yeah, so what, what happened. happened yeah. After
1: that, the um, medication that they put me on was so invasive, I could not eat a lot. I couldn't, um, like every time I would eat, um, I would feel like I had to throw up. Other people take steroids and they have all kinds of different, um, side effects Mm -hmm. to how it triggers their body. So you were on steroids for your asthma? Yes. Okay. Okay. Got it. My side effect was that I could not, um, keep anything down. So I had to start eating healthier. My stomach was rejecting everything that greasy, everything that wasn't good for you, basically, it started rejecting it. So I had to change my eating habits. I had to cook more. So my mom would cook for us every Sunday. And then in between, I had to make and prepare my own meals because every time I would eat out... It would be so unhealthy to my stomach. My body would shut down. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, why can't I eat the foods that I used to eat? We went to Red Crab one time. Now I can eat Red Crab. But Mm -hmm. before, I couldn't. I couldn't even keep it down. I would have to physically throw throw it all back up because Mm -hmm. my body was trying to get used to something. Mm -hmm. But my eating habits had to change for it to get better. Mm -hmm. So for, I want to say... All of 22, I had to really change, eat a lot of stuff, eat a lot of green. I couldn't even put a lot of dressing on my food. Like everything about my eating habits, even now, has had to change. I have to eat in moderation. Mm -hmm. I can't eat the greasy pizza. I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So your health has a very much um, way of changing as you get older. Your body changes as you get older. And so does your health. Your body will actually tell you. No, we're not. You're dead. Okay, get out. Can we get you?
0: One?
1: No, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I told you motherhood was ghetto.
0: Motherhood is You're ghetto. you It's okay. So go like, I'm <laughs> sure my mother's listening on the podcast can very much understand. I tend not to oh, edit too much. So <laughs> <laughs> if we just keep it real and keep it rolling. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: He's like, they want to get dressed to go out. But it's, it just started raining. So now we're pushing our
0: plans back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you were saying how our health, as we get yeah. older, changes. And it does. Yes. It does. Um, my family teases me. They're like, oh, you you're a rabbit. You eat rabbit food. And they're saying that about, like, how you saw me bust up my carrots for snack. They tease yeah. me about that. And it's very much because I eat a lot of green and vegetables, like you were saying, but it really truly is because I have a sensitive stomach. And that developed when I had GERD. And I've talked Mm. about this on previous episodes, but I keep going back to that because your body has a way of telling you, this ain't it. All you have to do is listen. And when you said you couldn't keep down the food, I believe it. Now, I wasn't throwing up. But I just had these sharp pains, constant sharp pains. And it got to the point where it didn't matter, you know, if I didn't eat a lot of, you know, the bad stuff. One bite and I would feel the pain. And when you listen to your body and you switch to healthier eating habits, yes, you do start to lose weight. So Yes,
1: because a lot of the things that we're eating is not good for our digestive system. And that's what um, one of the doctors have told me. Your digest, a lot of diseases, like how people will get like, um, and I'm not no doctor. I'm not no specialist. This is just from my um, experience. A lot of things start in your stomach.
0: Absolutely. A lot
1: of health issues start in your stomach. So mm-hmm. if your body cannot break it down, mm. it stores and it collects it and it turns into something else. Mm-hmm. So the important foods are just as important when we're older. Because when we get older, no, our moms aren't there to tell us, you got to eat this, you got to eat that. We're on our own. Mm-hmm. So you make your own decisions about what tastes good. And that's where you your diet plays in. Because you're just eating what tastes good. You're not necessarily eating what's good for you. So this experience has shown me. Um, remember I said how I eat vegetables more now like with dinner or I try to include them somewhere in my diet Mm -hmm. because those vegetables is what's going to help your digestive system break down those things that normally wouldn't have been broken down. So a lot of your diet becomes changed because of your health. And I also think that that's God too. Amen. They're trying to help me avoid something. Mm -hmm. So if I would have never... I would have been eating my same stuff and I would have just kept my weight. I I didn't really
0: care. So I would have just stayed this like that. I see what you're saying. You're like going to figure out what was going on with your asthma led you to the Mm allergist. You ended up on steroids. The steroids had a side effect that essentially forced you to change your diet. Yes, And it's that's unique um, because, and I think you even posted this on Facebook, on your page you said that usually steroids make people gain weight, which is so true, 100%. Um, but for okay. you, you ended up losing weight because how it made you feel. Yeah. And that yes. then is what made you change your eating habits and a healthy lifestyle. Um so that I, that's definitely God. God works in mysterious, mysterious ways. Um, yeah, He does, cause He
1: just He just completely got me back together. I haven't to gain. All, I didn't really even have to gain any more weight for my baby because I had already gained so much weight. Mm-hmm. The only thing was that after. Afterwards, I wanted to have, like, more tightness in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And that's why they want to remove some of my stomach. But I'm telling you, after me losing that weight, I'm so thankful to God that I'm not flabby. Because even my arms were huge. Mm -hmm. My legs were big. My stomach, I could have stretched my stomach out. Like, that's how much skin was, had excess skin. And I'm so surprised that I don't have as much. The elasticity really—I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the foods that I had to eat. I don't know. I don't know what else to contribute it to, or maybe it's just how my uh, my genes are in my family. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Yeah, I'm not as flabby as I thought I would have been. So thank God for that too, because I would have had to go back anyways to get skin removed. Mm. How you see people have, and I lost so much weight so fast. And I'm surprised that my body did not um, react like that. Mm. So either way, I didn't have to get surgery either way. Gaining it quick or losing it fast. So definitely have to um, celebrate God in that moment. Amen.
0: You know, our body And then afterwards... Oh, no, I was just going to say amen because our body is a a temple. Yes, go ahead. Absolutely.
1: Yes, afterwards, I ended up not even having to take... um, the as much medication anymore like after you change your eating you know how people would have diabetes and they would change their eating habits and they Mm -hmm. diabetes would slowly cancel out that's the same thing with asthma after eating right after um definitely much prayer because i was in here scared to death some nights i couldn't breathe at all i was up all night trying to catch my breath um after doing all of that now i before i couldn't even talk i would talk and have to cough a million times, or have to excuse myself because I couldn't cough, breathe, catch my breath. Like it was, it was a lot. Mm. It was a very scary time. But now it's much more. Um, you know, I can talk, I can laugh without having to reach for my inhaler and my saline, and all that. So my goal is to eventually not have to take any of it. But I, I'm still, I still fail. I yeah. still eat my honey buns, and I still eat my dessert. But it's not as I was
0: going for. Right, right, yes. Yeah, and like I told you earlier, like, I love sweets. I <laughs> I love sweets. That is, it's funny because I could do veggies all day, but I still need that sweet. I have my veggies yes. here now while we're talking on the podcast, but I also got a, a what's it called? Crumble cookie? The new spot yeah. we got? Now see, yeah. what had happened was, Mm, We about to unpack. Right, right, right. (laughs) What happened was we had one of our, um, I don't even know what the, what I should actually call the person, but they've been working with our district for a while and they talk to teachers about retirement and insurance and stuff like that. And they come in every year. So this year they stopped by and they brought all the teachers crumble cookies or cookie crumble, whatever it is. Oh. Well, that was nice because yes. that is expensive. Right. We said the same thing. And we actually put in our order in advance, like a couple days in advance. Um, So I got a chocolate chip one. But <laughs> I haven't eaten it yet. And I'm sitting here like, ooh, I'm just trying to make it to Sunday. <laughs> but it's calling my name. I'm ready to put that bad boy <laughs> in the oven. But it's a big cookie. I know I'm not going to eat that whole cookie in one setting, period. So it goes in moderation. So we have those sweet tooths, teeths, whatever, taste, desires. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, moderation is key. Um, Some people would just eat sweet, sweet, sweets and never even scale it back. And that's the message. Yeah, just kind of scale it back. And the more you scale it back, that little bit of sweet will be enough for you. You'll be like, "Ooh, that's enough. I don't need any more. I I got my my satisfaction. I'm good." But um, there was something you were saying that I wanted to. You were saying you got off the. Oh, so you look amazing, and I was gonna say you were uh, attributing you not having a lot of loose skin, um, possibly to your family jeans. and I was like, "Not in my head, like yes, because." You do have a yeah. a smaller frame by nature, um, just naturally. So tell us mm-hmm. how how much weight have you lost so far? And just to kind of clarify for my listeners, just in case she did not go with the BBL at all, it it, it was it ended up being no, a no go. I did for, not for all the reasons she explained.
1: No, so- hmm. Once they told me, and it wasn't just eating right. Let me be honest about that. too. once they told me that my weight was um, a factor Mm -hmm. and I had to lose all, I I ended up losing all of it from eating right. And this is what I started doing in the beginning. I started to take laxatives. I did. (laughs) I took, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. No, keep it real. I I love it. Yeah. I took Ed Slacks to try to pump that stuff out of me because he told me that when I would, if I would eat, I could not lay down for about an hour or two because you have to allow your digestive system to work. Mm -hmm. So I would sit up, sit up, sit up, and it would make me tired because I'm a mom. I eat late after I clean up, check homework and everything. It's about two hours, but I'm still feeling like full. Mm. and it's not because i ate too much it's just how my stomach was working like i wouldn't i would eat half of what i used to eat and still be so full like i ate the whole thing Mm -hmm. so i would feel bloated a lot then i love coffee and cream cream the milk was making me bloated too so i would still feel full from my coffee too Mm -hmm. from way earlier in the day Mm. and i couldn't burn that bloat down So I started taking laxatives to try to clear that bloat and try to allow myself to get rid of some of that. I would take it about six o'clock. So after I would eat dinner and everything, and by the time I would settle down, I could use the bathroom, get in the shower, and then lay down without having that heaviness on me. Mm -hmm. And that helped. I did that for a little bit because then I had another doctor's appointment. They were like, you're going to ruin your insides if you keep abusing them because they said you're not supposed to take them no three four times a day mm. and that's what I was doing so I had to stop I had to stop wow
0: yeah that is a yeah. lot yeah. yeah
1: yeah so I would take one in the morning I would take one in the afternoon and then um I would take one at night just to go to sleep so I would wake up that morning and be able to flush myself out I did that for a few weeks because my asthma was that bad that they had to see me every few weeks like mm-hmm. I think it was like once or twice every week In the beginning. And then they slowly um, weaned me off. Of having to come to the doctors as much. Mm. It was crazy. I had to try different medications. To see what would work. Add things. Take things away. Um, So now likely I'm only on one medication. And one um, type of inhaler. I think I've had every type of inhaler. I've had. They'll give you a chart of the inhalers. I've had every single one on there. Because they wanted to try and see which one worked for my body. Hmm. And I'm so appreciative of that because a lot of, I was there, one time I was there with this lady and she was asking me um, if I was going to get an allergy shot at one of the doctors. I said, no, I have asthma and they're trying to help me regulate it because usually um, Mm -hmm. people will have asthma from a young age Mm -hmm. and they will grow into that. I got asthma later in life. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to, I don't understand it. I'm educating myself on it. I'm trying to get my, you know, all I can get from it. And I'm trying to figure out where I was going because I was going somewhere. But you know, when you get older, your brain messes up and it makes you forget a lot.
0: Fact. <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I am the same way. <laughs> I'll get to talking. i am like, wait, where was I going with that? Oh my god! I gosh. think you were saying, remember. You were saying that part of it was you started, kind of use it, you started to detox, but you did it through laxatives to help you yes. get rid of the excess, the blow, kind of clean yourself out. But then another doctor, which is interesting because we don't know what we don't know until we know, told you don't do that because you could mess yes. up your gut, basically.
1: Yeah. I had just had a baby, too, and 20... 20- 17 so he was saying even though i have had a baby so far ago my body is still bringing itself back to to being where it's supposed to be so i was dehydrating myself i was sucking out all the good nutrients out of my body so Mm. i was tired a lot Mm. and i would faint and not realize it like Mm -hmm. just black out and not realize what was going on Mm -hmm. because i was i didn't know dehydration could do that to you Mm -hmm. so i had to rehydrate myself and i'm taking medications and then i'm taking a lot to them he said how do i expect the medication to work so he was being so real so this is where the lady comes in Mm -hmm. and as i was coming out she said i overheard your conversation with the doctor and she said i'm gonna go in there and thank him because he said a lot of black women will come into um getting checked up and a lot of doctors will skip over a lot of things so she said she she'd seen it and witnessed it for her own self, so she said the fact that he was so um so full of information to give you to put you on the right track she said that I that made her know that she's in the right place hmm. because um she also going through health issues and she was looking for a doctor looking for a family doctor looking for um all kinds of stuff to figure out what's going on in her body and she said that she was questioning it was a doctor mechanicsburg she was questioning. Yeah her, um, their ability to properly diagnose her because of her being black. And I didn't even think about that because I have been to, I have by that time, I've been to so many places. So many people were giving me, um, different things to do and different things to try that I never, I took that for granted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful that in the midst of going through all this, that God was there to let the people, whoever, me have so much favor with them that they were completely honest with
0: me. You know how? Because f-
1: everybody said the same thing. There was no nothing that no one said that was different.
0: Mm, and so all she alive. was trying to
1: figure things out. And Yes. One doctor told her this and the next doctor told her that. And that's what led her to that doctor. Because, you know, you go to work and you tell your coworkers, and things like, oh, suggest, they suggest different things. And that's what led her to where I was at. And mm-hmm. then she said, oh, my gosh, listening to his conversation, because the door wasn't all the way closed. It was cracked. And I didn't care as they did here, because I don't think that that was it wasn't like, oh, um, it wasn't that private to me. It was private, but it was I didn't, just didn't care about it if they, someone else did hear it. Mm-hmm. So she said that she appreciated um, dialogue with him because that made her very comfortable to finish her journey with whatever health issue she's having. Mm-hmm. So and that's another thing about black women. We go to the doctors so much and don't even realize that there are doctors that do not want us healthy and
0: that's scary too very and for you to say do not want us healthy like that that's real it's it's yeah. hard to hear but it's real and it's systemic you know when we talk about systemic racism one of the places is in healthcare. other places is yeah education other places is housing okay. so systemic racism shows up in different ways in different places and healthcare is definitely one of them Um, I have a unique story with mine. Mm Mine is in the gynecological um, area where (laughs) he was a white man. You know, I was in my late Mm -hmm. teens, early 20s. I'm not thinking about it. But as a 38-year-old black woman, you couldn't pay me to see no white man gynecologist, right? Just on the fact of knowing Mm -hmm. that they do not view us the same. And even when it comes to... uh, Uh, Black women in childbirth, they die at a much higher rate and no, they don't care. And some of them, I've even heard their talk that some doctors are now starting to explore their own bias, maybe bias that they didn't have. There's nurses that will tell you they've heard conversations with women. Oh, she's not in pain. She's not in pain because she's a black woman. No, she is in pain. You know, or we could take more of this or more of that. I feel like that was kind of my experience when I would go through and I would have a lot of pain. And here I was having cyst ruptures. And they wouldn't even tell me, oh, it's probably endometriosis. Well, they can't really diagnose you until they go in and look in and then they scrape whatever. I wasn't going to do that because I don't think I would ever like knives on my body unless it was absolutely... uh, life threatening. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Then I continue to have cyst ruptures. Um I've since changed doctors and I went with a woman and things I learned things that I needed to learn. Um about fibroids, about endometriosis, about cyst ruptures. I also changed my diet as well with that because fried foods triggers pain. Um uterine pain that I may have you know so I've been working around that as well and not to make this about me but when you brought that up I just like it's kind of triggering for me because I know that they don't always share information with us because of their own bias and maybe like you said they just don't care about us they just don't want us there they
1: don't value us they don't you know she said one of the situations that she had ran into, um, the doctor was so keen on the insurance type that she had. So I'm like, um, she was like, she was trying to explain to them what was going on, but he kept going back to her insurance and whether or not he was going to get paid. So she ended up leaving. Yes, yeah. wow. she ended up leaving because um, I, worked for- I worked for a while, but I did not know that if you have... Um, a certain insurance, it matters on how, when, when they get paid. So he was saying, you know, if you have this insurance, it's going to take forever for me to do. And I'm like, why is he discussing that with you? You are trying to tell him about paying. I'm on the phone. You're being rude. And he's telling you that you're, something about your billing. Don't they have a billing department? Why would that matter? Another situation she went into, um, the doctor told her to take herself off of the medications. He said, take yourself off the medications. You might as well get a hysterectomy. So she's thinking to herself, what? Yeah. Why would I get a hysterectomy? And she was, I, we were at the same age. And this was a few years ago. So I want to say I was like um, 35. And she was two years. She was like 32, 31. Mm-hmm. She's like, why would I get a hysterectomy? so early like you haven't told me what the underlying issue is so why would i get rid of everything wow like is it just that easier for for you guys to not have to go through that she had been to she had left palmyra went to her she left her she came to Harrisburg, left her like she was working she worked for um um the state of pennsylvania but it was I don't even remember what she did. It was a job that she had to travel to all these different places. Mm -hmm. So that's why she wanted, now that she had settled, she wanted a doctor Mm -hmm. because her health had become so crazy that she wanted to have somewhere where she could just go to the doctor where she was at and be able to trust whichever doctor she was going to. Mm -hmm. So she was doing her research like me. And it's so crazy how that conversation led to that. Mm -hmm. But to me, I couldn't get over the fact that how doctors would not want us to be racist in that field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How could you, how could you want, cause that field is going to show you life and death. So why would you want to honor death in someone's life that, that much? Like you hate that race that much that you wouldn't care that to tell that person the truth about themselves so that they can, be here, like, with their
0: family, with their kids, with whatever. Well, it goes back to when we were used as their experiments and guinea pigs. Yes. So, unfortunately, it's not anything new that our bodies were never valued by the healthcare system. And to this day, continues not to be. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm grateful that we're getting more Black doctors, you know, all around, whether it's gynecological, whether it's your uh, primary care, whether it's for an onco- oncologist for cancer, um, yes. you yes. know, we are coming to and taking care of one another mm-hmm. because, to your point, you know, you could, your field is life and death,
1: yeah.
0: but they don't care about that death piece when it comes to somebody else. Um, the doctor who did both of my mom's major back surgeries, he is amazing. Um, and we pray for her, over her, prayed for him. Um, and God, that's God's favor for her doctor. Um, he, he is not white. He is a person of color. Um, so he... At least we, her being the patient and me being her daughter, at least we felt safer and more of a connection um, with him Mm. for her to go under the knife with him, not once but twice. Um, So it does. It is. It is truly a thing and a telltale sign of looking at a person or a doctor specifically, because that's what we're talking about, and saying, you know, my life is in your hands. Period. Yeah my life is in your hands and when they're worried about insurance and when they're going to get paid and Oh, just get rid of it. Like that's all like, that's why referrals are so important and word of mouth because you could hear somebody say, Oh, that doctor, he doesn't care. Um, like I would say that about the, the white male gynecologist, but I don't have to because he is retired, but Hmm. nevertheless, okay. Um, If he was still doing business uh, or providing healthcare services, he would not be a recommendation at all.
1: Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is, you know how, like, you consider, like, doesn't that weigh on their conscience? If you give someone, if you're in that field and you give someone that information, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear whether or not it weighs, does it come back to them? Does it weigh on their conscience? Does it make you feel any better or worse like what is the reason besides the racism that you wouldn't value us do you hate
0: do you hate that race that much yeah the reason is racism and it's something that maybe we as black people or people of color um don't really get because we're like we're human too why do you hate us so bad and we wouldn't treat other people like that um, so we struggle with really like racism? Like, and and aren't they the ones that always say when you cut us all open, we're all the same? All the same, yeah. So once you cut me open or do your surgery, whatever, as a doctor, essentially I should look like the next patient because we're all the same inside. But that outer skin layer Gets them every time. And then sometimes I think they just see ignorance. Like they look at someone like me and you and they're like, oh, they don't know their ignorance. So I'm going to just tell them anything. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. No. Just,
1: um, about a lot of us, we don't make ourselves knowledgeable. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to say a lot of us because I've sat in enough doctor's offices between my kids and myself to know when we go into the doctors and they say, "What medication you're on. We can't even say the medication. We'll say like what it does or, um, you know, what it's used for. But we won't say I made sure I knew the medication name. I had a list of I had a folder of everything so that they couldn't they would be able to perceive me as being more knowledgeable. So if they told something, I would write it down and I would take it to my um, lung doctor, take it back to my allergist and I would mention it. Mm -hmm. And they, when I say everything was in sync, they would say, yes, that's something that we can talk about. That needs to be done more. The older we get, like I said, the more our bodies change we have to understand our body but we also have to understand what they're prescribing to us and what it the what it's going to do to us and take it to them and let them know okay okay i'll deal with it when i get off this God. But you have to be able to tell them what it does. And if you start noticing that your body does something different, I took that to them, too. Hey, um, when the steroids start making me throw up, I made sure that they knew that. Or once it starts making my diet, like, not like it used to be, Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, is that that? Is that what it's from? Or has the asthma now reached to another level that we need to talk about? You have to be knowledgeable about what they're knowledgeable about, not in the sense of to be a doctor in the sense that you have to know what the heck is going on with what they're giving you
0: right you know what I mean I do I do know what you mean and that's that is a very important um point you made there because uh Knowledgeable shows you value yourself, right? And how do people give you the value? Yeah. You have to first show that you value yourself. So when you come in there like bop, 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 they're like, Oh, she values herself. So I have, even if they're a little racist or biased, they're gonna be like, Well, she values herself, so I value this just a little bit too. Um, I used to kind of tease my mom because, like you, she keeps a folder. So we'll be going into mm-hmm. the doctor's office. She has this big bag. She's like, "Is she had my bag, that's all my medical information. I'm like, well, dad, yeah. but she's a 63 year old woman. She has health challenges. Yeah. She wants you to, she wants the doctors to know what she knows, even though it's on file. She wants them to know that I know what's going on with my body. I know when my prescriptions change. I know when, how they made me feel how I feel. I'm pretty knowledgeable too. I've been blessed that mine at this age has been pretty much black and white. Um, I take allergy medicine and I'm on pain medication. Not every day, but because I do suffer from um, chronic... I don't know if you want to call it uterine pain, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that about me. I know um, at one point my iron level was low, but I was never put on any medication. So there was no medication to tell. But yes, Uh we we take whatever the doctor tells us to take. We do whatever they tell us to do, but we really don't know our medications and how they made me feel and when did Uh I start feeling like that. Or we could be having such a crappy diet that we don't know what's going on in our body. Yes. It could be that. It could be this. It's like you have no way of knowing, but when you clear all that out and declutter... You can have that knowledgeable conversation with your doctor cuz I'll tell you what I am not one for play play at the doctor's office. Absolutely not. You know, no, absolutely not. I had an experience where she did what she did. I think it was a it was one of my sis rupture and she said well I could see that it's ruptured but I don't I don't know what else to do. Do next, you'll just have to get examined for endometriosis, and I'm like, What? So, after that experience, I said, I'm not playing with these doctors. I've been blessed mm-hmm. with my doctor that I have now at Hershey Medical, my primary care physician, and I also go there for women uh-huh. care too. But yeah, I'm not playing with them because they make too much money to make so many mistakes. And so. Not care. Okay, so yes valuing yourself and being knowledgeable i'm sorry say again oh
1: no i said to not care that's where i was going because at one point i was thinking about how much the nurse practitioner makes and how much the doctors make and it seems like the nurse practitioners and the doctors make way more than the rns than the cnas than the lpns and the and the rns and the cnas showed me much more love and much more care mm-hmm. whenever I had to go into certain places. Like I got much more of um, a nice feedback from them than I got from the other doctors. So then I had to start going and researching that. And at the one doctor that I went to, um, I think it was a practice uh, nurse practitioner and I had to get a medication refilled and they wouldn't refill it because they said that the doctor had to call it in. Mm-hmm. And so she said, um, the doctor can call it in, but I want you to. I I want to know if you still want to come to me or if you if you want to go to him because it's going to be a lot of back and forth. I said I want to stay
0: with you. Good. Oh my god, he's about to run in here. That's okay. All right, so we had to take a little pause for the calls, but we are back. Charlene is still with us on the Spiration podcast, and we were just kind of. You know, chatting about health care for black America, but specifically black women. And I know before we um, had to take a little break, we were talking about um, having a folder of information to take to the doctor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Charlene, you were saying like you thought that you were the only one that did that. Yes. But you you. I learned it. that, yeah, yeah,
1: that your mom does that. And I was saying how thankful I am to hear that because I'll see older people, you know, seniors almost going into the clinic and they'll have their grandchildren or their children with them. And I don't see, I don't know if it's, or maybe it's on their phone, but I don't see them have any information about their that person's healthcare mm-hmm. and I'm in there anxious to know like that, like I hope they knew what medication they're on or I hope they knew what to present. And I hope that that doctor, you know, but then again, I'm also thinking, what if, what if Caucasian people don't go through that? Mm. Cause I never, you know, my friends that are white that ever said anything like that to me. I- so I wonder if, don't do it because they are trusting or because they don't experience it
0: right right because it's probably both they're trusting and they don't experience it but they're trusting because they don't experience it because honestly to your point I, now that i'm thinking about it i don't think i've ever heard my white counterparts complaining about the health care system they they will get second opinions for sure because that's what yeah. everybody's supposed to do. Um, yes, but um, not like we do. You know, if we want to be honest and transparent and real, our experience with the healthcare system is not the same as non-blacks. It just as it's not. And I I do believe the healthcare system is aware of that. I think we've been speaking on it for some time now and it's all about the change coming. And hopefully it does start with um more black doctors. So, but then you know, the struggle then becomes do they open their own personal practice, private practice? Because they are intentionally left out of spaces because one thing I always say To my friends and my one specific, my best friend, because we have these kind of conversations. I feel like no matter what you do, whatever your profession or career is as a black person, to some degree, there's some pushback to having you in that space. Yeah. So even as a doctor, a black doctor is going to experience some feeling of not being wanted. At that practice or that hospital, yeah. you know, it's very systemic. So, but yeah, well, you
1: know what? And this all ties into your journey as a fitness instructor, because now you know that your job as a fitness instructor is so necessary and so important mm-hmm. um, to all women,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not the African American women, but to all women, because it forces you to pay attention to your health. Yeah. If you're at your if you're at your um you know, instruction and you notice my body doesn't feel like it used to. I can't get back up how I used to. My pace is not the same, my heart feels weird, that's going to in turn trigger them to go look and see about it. Mm-hmm. So your your whole work is in some case a ministry because now it's going to open up those conversations with Who they need to, you know, talk to, to try to get in the right path, even if it's nothing, you know, it's better that it's I always say, like, it's better to go and see that it's nothing than to ignore it and find out that it could have been nothing. Mm -hmm. But now something way bigger. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just comes back into play on how important your your whole
0: demonstration with this is. Oh, thank you. I really do receive that because this is something that, like you said, is my ministry. I know it's something, it's my purpose, it's in my heart from what I experienced, listening to, to your story, to hearing other people's story, to see what my mom has gone through. And you're right, Afrocardio or Shia J, as a certified group fitness instructor and then Afro Cardio, the brand, it is not just for women of color or people of color It's for everybody. And I truly yeah. minister not only through my mouth, like on the inspiration podcast or when I'm talking to my class, but also through physical workout and given any knowledge that I can, because, you know, being a certified group fitness instructor, I have studied the body and all those things that you said about gut health is so true. I've yeah. experienced it. I've studied it. Um, You know, and this is not to Brad, but technically, if a doctor is telling someone they need to lose weight or exercise, I could be a referral. Like I could be your doctor's referral. Like your doctor could say, Hey, I know a certified group fitness instructor. Her name is Ashia. She's also a weight management specialist. I want you to go to her. Like your doctor could legit write a referral for me. So I do believe it is my ministry to be certified and be able to share with people how to be healthy. There is a part of me that realizes that as we get older, there are some things we just cannot control. But then instead of allowing that to make me sad, I say, well, you know what? At least I can help now and try to control the things that I can. Because if and when I do get there or somebody that I love or anybody that I come in contact with gets there, at least they've had other... Times in their life where they were trying to live their healthy lifestyle. And those things do help you along the way when you get older. It, it just is yep. the way our body works. Um So, yeah. I don't have all the answers. But I know how to lose weight. I can promote health and wellness and fitness. Have candid conversations with people like you. Um, to, to say, like, because I'm sure... There's going to be someone who listens today and doesn't know that allergies affect asthma or doesn't know that asthma affects your going under um, anesthesia. Yeah. Um, there might be, even though people have done research, there may be some people who don't know that having a BBL is one of the most dangerous surgeries because of if the fat goes in the wrong place, you're done you know? So if I can help motivate somebody or inspire somebody to change how they're thinking and believe in themselves, because you have the power yourself to do what you want. Like, okay, you wanted your BBL, but look, you now have learned and and are mastering how to take care of Charlene in the most healthiest way possible. And that's Mm -hmm. naturally going to trickle down to your children. So now you're a healthier Mm -hmm. mother for your children. And you can share your wisdom with them. So it's all a positive cycle and a positive domino effect um, for us when we think about our health and wellness. So I thank you. I thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank
1: you for having me on here. But we're not done because we're not. That (laughs) that teacher situation, because I mean, you're an educator. Yes. And I'm sure that you've been put in situations. Where you probably saw yourself in my Um <laughs> so I want you to because uh, <laughs> let me tell you, not only are your clapbacks um like freaking educated and to be in some type of um meme, like your your whole they don't know about your <laughs> them hands my gangster them hands is uh, yes so like official so let's unpack that as to where you can provide some type of educated standpoint on on the situation because you're in a classroom yeah. every, five days of the week yeah and i'm sure that you've seen that little girl and those other kids <laughs> so how did how could you simmer your inside Ooh, um, substitute teacher
0: right so, we got a lot to unpack. We have a lot to unpack. And I'm so excited to get into it. So, first of all, yeah. the clapbacks are from experience, right? And you saying they don't know about my hands being official.
1: <laughs>
0: That's funny. <laughs> they don't know about my gangster. I like to keep that part a secret. I like to let people think my... Uplifting positive spirit and smile is rainbows. But.
1: Don't take her there, y'all. Please don't. Because <laughs> listen. <Not>. Stop.
0: <laughs> don't try it. <laughs> I know how to defend myself. I will I'll, I'll leave okay. it at that. And I'm going to venture to say I ain't never scared and not give you buck. Okay? Period. Period. <laughs> okay? Okay. So the 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 Christian, the affirmation, the inspiration, all that is Shia is real and she exists. But we might need to say she exists for a reason. Yeah. And those people who know me that know me close, they understand it. I have a family member, my aunt. We were just. Something happened and I snapped and I wasn't snapping on her. I was snapping on the situation. I know what it was. It was, um, mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother had passed away and we're going to get to the teacher, but I'm just giving, the, I'm just giving the listeners some, some context. <laughs> and Charlene knows yeah. cause she knows me from middle school. <laughs> and, um, this was in 2017, I believe. <laughs> and my mom and my aunties were trying to handle the estate accordingly. Well, she was married when she passed away, Mm -hmm. and her husband's children were getting out of pocket, out of line, disrespectful, whatever you wanna call whatever you wanna call it. And I wasn't here for it. Not one bit. And so I kindly got one of his children together. And it shocked my aunt. Okay. And I said, Auntie, I thought you knew this about your niece. She was like, Well, not like that. Not at all. Not, Not at, at all. At all. all. You, okay.
1: cannot, you don't let nobody think that they got one up at all. You will check them educationally or I should say professionally and unprofessionally.
0: Okay. <laughs> that is true. Professionally and unprofessionally. And I laugh at that because even in my brand, my business, I've, I've interacted with people and I'm like, they just don't know. But I'm going to let you be great. And stay yes. in this space. I'll let you think it's all peaches and cream. You're gonna Michelle Obama, the situation. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, the teacher. <laughs> so, it's funny because even my principal, he'll look at some of my responses that I have to, like, share with him with parents and he'll be like, it is what it is. Like, you handled it professionally. Like." you covered what you needed to cover and you covered it professionally because one thing I'm never going to do is allow a person to take me off my square and it's not to say that I'm always right but this is what my experience is is in And and I have the best interest of the child. So, substitute teacher, Lord have mercy. Can we first just talk about how there's a teacher shortage and a substitute teacher shortage for a reason, right? These kids and these parents are out of control. All right, here's my take on the situation. I'm going to unpack it from start to finish as best as I can, as I remember, without having the video in front of me. So if I miss something, forgive me. But in my teacher brain, I can visualize this and unpack it without having the video in front of me. When the video starts, the teacher was already reiterating the fact that she had asked for her cell phone. Keyword, reiteration. This wasn't the first time the teacher had asked for her phone. Okay? To that end, we can assume that for whatever reason, she was not supposed to have the phone. I say for whatever reason because there are some teachers, from what I gather, that allow students to have a phone. I teach second grade, so I don't have these, like, altercations with little people they're little people do they throw desks and chairs absolutely but how that interaction was with that middle schooler it's not to that extent because they're little people and we're full-size adults middle schoolers they're not little people so they have this i'm big as you type energy about them yeah when it cuts on for whatever reason, we could assume that she was not supposed to have the phone. I don't know if the substitute teacher just decided on her watch that day she was not supposed to have the phone um It's interesting because obviously the kid recording had a phone, <laughs> had a phone. That's <laughs> right true. so. So it's kind of like, why? I would need to understand why was the substitute teacher so bothered or upset that she had the phone? Was she doing something she shouldn't have been doing with the phone? Why was she asked to to not have the phone? All of those things do play a role because it contributes to why she asked for her phone. So we go into this video and we hear her say something to the effect of, I already asked you to not have the phone. And at this point, she basically confiscated the phone because the child was not responding to her request. Number one. Number two. And, and, oh, and to that end, kids need to... I'll get it. Okay, I'm doing something. Go, Shakur. (laughs) Kids need to... No, it's it's all good. Kids need to normalize or get used to responding to requests the first time. Now, I will say, even though I don't teach middle yep. school, one thing about these second graders, they do not respond the first time. and It is draining. I have even said, I know you hear me. Like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Why aren't children responding to requests the first time? Why do I have to raise my voice? Why do I have to ask two and three and sometimes four times to take me seriously? I will say
1: mother's be asking hmm? I said we're asking the same thing at home. They don't listen at home, so it transfers into school. They don't hear us the first time either, okay, I figured that, but you know what mhm- it's the same thing in in my household. it's been so bad. So where I have a board and I will strike like that strike one, I strike two with you. If I get to strike three and you still haven't come to me or accomplished what you need done, then there's a side, there's a consequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mm-hmm. had to do that
0: because Freeman,
1: I can't all day.
0: Yeah, no, it's not good. It's not good for you. It's not the stress that it goes up. It's just not good. I have a similar system oh. to where I take off a letter um, on the board for recess because that's time. Oh, because I simply just say, if you're gonna take my time, I'm gonna take your time. Um oh, okay. so she she didn't respond the first time. The substitute teacher confiscated. At this point, she's probably thinking, lady, who are you? You don't get to take my stuff, you're not my teacher, whatever. But here's where the next problem lies. So not only did she not comply the first time, the second thing is meaning she didn't, she didn't put her phone away. Once the teacher had it, she took it upon herself to walk behind the teacher's desk. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is not okay. My students know you do not come behind my desk. I never did that in school. She was, to me, no, and I don't know what the regular teacher that was out that day (laughs) allows, if that's normal or not. But you walking behind a teacher's desk is a no-no right so she especially in the age of people
1: bringing in guns and doing all that to the schools i was surprised at that mm-hmm. because i thought that they were educating everyone more about that and that is definitely a trigger for a lot of people I was mm-hmm.
0: surprised but and that that's another thing about triggering and responding so i'm gonna get to that so she's behind this desk at this point at this point I already know you're ready to assault because obviously whatever you were going to say to me from behind, from before coming to my desk. Now you feel like you're going to come and take the phone and do whatever you need to do to me to get the phone. So by then the teacher Uh probably went into defense mode. Not so much quite yet. If you watch the video, she kind of actually backs up and allows the girl to kind of back her into a little bit of a corner there. Yes, she did. Okay? So, right there, she probably feels like she needs to protect herself, but because she's in teacher role, she still is allowing the girl to approach. And she backed herself into a little bit of a corner. When she backing herself, she's saying, no, you're not going to take the phone. Now, here's where some people could say, oh, well, she just should have given her back her phone. But what do you do in that situation? I don't know what I would have done. I don't know if I would have given her my second grader. Heck no, you're not getting it until I say you're getting it like period. So that's not an issue with second graders. I take it. They put it yeah. in my little basket. They ask me 101 times. Can they have it back? And I say, "Miss Philippe will give it back to you when it's time. And it's cool. We don't handle, no, we don't have those problems in second grade. If anything, they want to change their behavior so they can <laughs> get it back. So we're good. <laughs> we yeah. don't have no problem. And it's, it's It's cool because I actually have the basket sitting on my desk so they could see it. So they know that, listen, I don't want your stuff. It's here for you. You can see it clear as day. You just have to earn it back. And a lot of times they end up getting it back at the end of the day. So she then goes for the phone and the teacher says, no, you're not getting it. But if you watch the video, from what I can remember, she's also the substitute teacher picking up the phone. And for those who aren't familiar with school, she's calling for help. When she picked up that that? phone, she was calling for an administrator to help. Again, that shows she's trying to protect herself. She's trying to protect the kids. She's backed up in this corner. This girl is not maybe assaulting her, but pushing up in a threatening way to get her to give the phone. At which, very much provoking, very much provoking, at which point mm-hmm. it tells me that this teacher had it in her mind to do what was right because she picked up the phone. She wasn't trying to fight that student. She wanted help. She could have not picked up the phone and bicker went back and forth for her. Anybody will tell you as a classroom teacher, sometime administration is not available all the time. You know, they have their own schedules, their own things that they have to tend to. It would appear that because the girl was right there, we don't know. We didn't ever hear her talk to administration and say, hey, I need need an administrator to room so-and-so. Like, that's common language used. We didn't hear that because what I think happened in my professional, Shia opinion, this is just my opinion. Someone may disagree or be like, no, that's not what they saw. What I think happened Is that her picking up the phone to call for administration actually triggered the student. Because now now
1: she feels like she's probably never going to get her phone back because they're going to take it to the office. And then they're going to have to call her mom. And then the mom's going to have to come in to get her phone. So that's exactly how I felt about the same thing too. Because anyone that's been in that situation where a phone is taken, any parent knows that's usually the, the procedure of that. So I agree with you.
0: Yes. And if we drop it back down to second grade, I will say in similar circumstances, even as young as seven and eight, they are triggered by the teacher saying, I'm calling the office. We have had kids scream, run, because they know an administrator is coming. It's coming. Yes. Yes. So, and, and let me pause for a second. One thing I left out. Whenever I see videos like that, I always think, just because of my experience as a teacher, that this has been a problematic child for some years. She didn't just yes. wake up and come to school that day and decide she was going to show her behind or whatever with the phone. And again, if I get a different backstory, then, you know, all of this is allegedly. This is just based off of what I saw and my teacher opinion. So I say that to say... Um, to your point about the procedure she's very probably very much aware of the procedure because if she was this non-problematic child she probably wouldn't have had her phone out and or when the teacher asked for it she would have been like she could have talked her smack whatever you're just taking my phone you a substitute teacher if it was my if it was my regular teacher this wouldn't happen she could have talked her smack but she still would have given but hold her hold on let
1: me say something to that yes any problem a regular teacher is having a substitute teacher is gonna always have it 10 times worse because for some mm-hmm. reason they aren't as respected and they aren't as viewed in that um area where they can do that mm-hmm. so that entitlement that you spoke about that's mm-hmm. definitely that you see it you see it go into levels mm-hmm. like it went from Give me my phone because you have to, to give me my phone because you really have to. Mm. So it definitely escalated Mm -hmm. in that sense. And I hope that a lot of parents um, can look at that when we go to defend our child Mm -hmm. and and look at that in that area. Mm -hmm. Like if this child is expliciting this type of behavior... Um, you know, that's something that we have to hold ourselves accountable to try and avoid. Mm -hmm. The problem with us trying to avoid it, though, is a lot of times it'll start to look as abuse because the kids will go to school and, um, you know, the teacher will complain and the parents will try to handle it and then it'll come out as that it's that, when in all reality, you're trying to parent the only way that you know how to parent. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to give the kids consequence as what you know. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like Um, In that respect, it kind of plays against the parent in some point. But then if there is no relationship, Mm -hmm. like we were talking about before, then there's no way of that teacher being able to determine what's really going on. And so defending your child, you have to try and and distinguish a relationship between the teacher, because if not... these are the type of issues that arise out of that. Right. It's going to arise anyways if that's not who the person is, but it's going to arise more if a relationship is not um, established and that child is not under the impression that communication is going back to home Mm -hmm. that you're basically fucking up at school Mm -hmm. and we need to
0: now discuss it before it becomes this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do do want you to share what you were saying when we were talking about uh, relationship with um, teacher parent and this is an excellent oh dialogue my. and we always have it because you're a parent of five I'm a teacher I don't have any kids yeah. but we both have the children's best interests So at this point, I do believe that her picking up the phone triggered that child. I think she has potentially, I don't know, this is all alleged, just from my experience, she probably has a background of being problematic, whatever, no judgment, whatever. We all showed our behind at some point in school. I'm not even about to judge a kid on that. But what I will say is it's not news. Like when stuff like this happens, she's probably known. Um... (laughs) So, so I think that triggered her. So now she full blown goes to swing on the teacher. This is where I think people have, have why they say they side with the teacher for those who do. Because she swung on her. Uh-huh. I would have. Protected myself in a sense of I'm going to back up so she doesn't hit me and I'm probably going to put my arms up also so I don't get hit. So she doesn't connect. As the educator, my first thought is not going to just be to throw blows. However, as sure as I say that, I can't promise that in that moment when you're trying to protect yourself, you don't know what anyone would do. So why exactly. I, why I'm always trying to be in professional mode, I can't promise what my adrenaline is going to do. Professionally, I want to back up so I don't get hit. Professionally, I want to put my hands up and block my face so she doesn't connect. And I never touch her. Like, I never hit her professionally. That's what I want to do. But adrenaline wise, <laughs> you don't know. Because I'm going to tell you, if that was outside of the classroom, I would have responded by protecting myself by throwing hands as well. Because physically, you have to protect yourself when you need to. Yeah. Um, so, what I'm not faulting that teacher. Because what I see is a woman protecting herself. She was not a little one yeah. like my second graders. Okay? These kids okay. are big and they know how to fight. They hit their parents. They destroy classrooms. They do all these things that we think that, oh, they're just a kid. No, they setting it off. Okay? They will set it off. Yes, okay? Are. And so what she did is probably protecting herself, knowing what some of these kids are capable of. She could have had a fear that This girl swung on me. What if she has a knife? Like, you just don't know. You have to be in that moment. You have to feel the energy. You have to know how she felt, how threatened she felt, how many times possibly before was she in an altercation with this child. Like, you just don't know. So, as a classroom teacher, I would know the kid more. But as a substitute teacher, you don't. So, now we have a situation to where why are we normalizing kids swinging on teachers? Now... Here's this teacher. She's. I'm gonna say she's significantly younger than me. So I'm gonna call her one of those knuck if you bug teachers. These younger teachers not playing with y'all, okay? You swing on them, they swinging back. We could figure out the rest later. That's how these new age teachers are handling it. I'm gonna be honest. I can't really blame them. I'm not saying I condone violence. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we don't go to school to be assaulted. That's what I'm saying. And if I am a substitute teacher trying to fill in a gap, I'm here to do the best job I'm here to do without getting assaulted. But at the end of the day, no one gets paid enough to get hit. So... Be security. Bingo. So to that end, if I have to protect myself because some child is losing it and they're swinging on me... That may be what that teacher decides to do because we've had teachers end up in the hospital, broken bones, concussions. Nobody ever feels bad when that happens to the teacher. But as soon as the teacher goes to protect themselves from a big kid, and I say big kid, I mean secondary, not elementary like me. Now we have this debate of who was wrong, teacher or student. And some people automatically put the teacher in the the category of wrong because she's the teacher. Now, where I will say, yes. I believe the teacher went too far is when she was on top of her and hitting her. Yeah. I think that could be contributed to, again, we don't know the kind of energy. That young lady on the ground may have been strong. Um, of course, she's going to fight back. Because she, her lost it. You don't know, the
1: teacher could have been in situations where she blacked out. Yep. I, I was, was just going to say that. Too. I wish she would have drained her a little bit more. That's the only thing. That's the only but, thing I
0: fought her for. She should have... I don't agree with her holding her down like... I mean, I don't agree with her punching her like that. I think it should have been more yeah. of a restrained situation. But not all teachers are yeah. um, trained and restrained. Um, and I learned that from that.
1: I thought that... Yeah. Because one of my kids had... IEP mm-hmm. now you as an educator know that in the IEP you can put in there that you want your child to be restrained or not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I was considering maybe if that person had an IEP and restraint was in there, that would have had that teacher's back, but the punching and the mm-hmm. physical, but then I also said, what has she been
0: through something like I what thought about a, what both is, I thought about yeah. both because I cannot get behind a teacher punching a kid. I absolutely cannot. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot get behind that. I would have highly preferred or would have liked to see her restrained. Okay. in a manner that the teacher could have best done. Um, even if she wasn't trained in restraint, I mean, I think we all kind of know how to restrain to a degree when it comes to a kid. I did not. But then I thought what you thought, I don't know this teacher's background. Which she was attacked, assaulted by mm-hmm. another student somewhere else in her own personal life. We don't know her trauma, and when you get hired, they don't necessarily ask you about your trauma. They will ask you how that you deal. Mm-hmm. They will ask you how you deal with problematic children, but no one's going to say, "Oh, well, if a kid hits me, I'm punching them back." Like you won't get the job. So, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because mm-hmm. you have been a
1: teacher for how many years now? 16. So I hope that after, I hope that this will trigger someone's um, hiring ability when they have to go back through, no, to to analyze and to hire. I hope that that can start to be highlighted because never in my years of being on this planet have I seen so many violence in school
0: it's ridiculous
1: ever there's there's so much kids are witnessing other their friends being shot right in front of them like they are in battle like they're in a freaking um war yeah so it's a lot of um different type of um hr tactics that i think needs to be updated yeah to prepare these teachers and to also equip these teachers in the environment like mm-hmm. that because that's becoming so normal and it's like you were wrong you were wrong you were wrong but who's teaching them to be right or who's teaching them what it looks like to be right right like you know just from common sense but you said something that was important there's there's no there's no dialogue in the hiring process of that
0: no there's not and it needs to it needs to be it does need to be but i also don't think like If I was a teacher getting hired and I came from hypothetically domestic abuse, right? Mm. I don't think that I would want to disclose that to a panel of people. I know nothing. I don't don't know them. And also, I don't even know if I'm going to get the job. But I know I'm a good candidate for the job regardless of my potential uh, abuse that I may or trauma. In this situation, Uh hypothetically, domestic abuse. So that puts teachers in yet again another situation to where whenever there's a problem, we have to fix it. No. People need to be accountable. Because if I have to worry about this and that and I can't even come live out my passion, which is teaching children without being assaulted, there's something more wrong with the system.
1: Um, there is but we have to also be honest about the environment that we're in remember when i went back and i said i have to be honest about my health weight loss journey mm-hmm. we have to be honest now about um the climate mm-hmm. that we are forced to be in now mm-hmm. as an individual teacher and student mm-hmm. and administrative mm-hmm. like it has to be even it has to be discussed to where it's not going to um you know like you can't not hire someone because of a disability. Right. That has to be in the clause because we're in a climate now where you, that has become normal, unfortunately. So yeah, because, mental health. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I get so you. I hear you. That,
1: I feel like there should be even an anonymous questionnaire or something to um, show that that's an issue, mm-hmm. so that they can sh- they can then train you in that area or um, bring it up. Because even as a teacher, how many how much do you have to go to school? You have to do so many so many years, you have to go back to school and get recertified and go back yeah. and get reeducated and go back. So you're doing all of that, all of that programming in your mind without ever addressing any, any mental health. And it actually should be hand in hand.
0: Right, because our mental health is actually affected just by showing up. And some people who have children and husbands and wives they carry that mental burden home. And there's a lot of teachers on medication, anxiety, depression, medicine, to help them cope with the trauma um, of the classroom. And I think what you're probably referring to is trauma-informed, having a trauma-informed classroom because of the climate that we live in. So there is definitely a space for that, and that will be something to consider in the hiring process. But I still say no one deserves to go to work and get beat no you know, and like I said, I don't condone her hitting her. I wish she would have restrained her, but I also feel like we mm. need to norm we need to not normalize kids swinging on teachers and then saying oh what are a kid that's that's the problem I have that. That's the issue that I take with the whole situation and I don't know how the district handled it. This is literally just talk on social media um yeah. about who was right and who was wrong in that situation. But it is a lot to be said about trauma and both parties like what the kids are dealing with and then what I could be dealing with as a teacher. Um, Because even just if I have a bad day or I'm didn't sleep well and I'm more grouchy, my kids know my patience is not the same on that day. So we are human and things in our lives do respect, do, I'm sorry, do affect how we respond. And on that day, unfortunately, that kid who swung on that teacher, she learned that that teacher was not going to allow her to hit her. And... You know... I bet you she won't do it again. Correct. And I was going to say, and there's a lesson behind that too, because like I said before we started recording, I said, really, really? The only thing, and this is just a joke, because I don't want to be like, oh, she said it. Only thing that teacher did wrong was not wear draws. I'm telling you, that's not no joke.
1: That's real. Don't you ever, as a teacher... Because these kids watch everything on social media. They're very quick with the internet. So they know if you, they know. Girl. So you, why would you want, uh, that That took away from every, once I
0: saw that, I'm like, it why, did. why the heck
1: are we wanting to fight? It did. <laughs> it did because I
0: was like, now, wait a minute. Are we sure this is like, what? That's how it messed me up because I was like, "Are we sure this is a teacher?" Once I saw that, I'm yes. like, "Cause surely, as an educator, you know to wear some draws, okay?" Like that, her had, private that area is gonna be on display forever. Oh for my effort. god! And then, That's then uploaded. And then when she was on top of her, I'm like, "I know she feel that air. She didn't even care that her stuff was hanging out." I'm like, "Man, at this point, Whoa. hang it up, run out the room, get help." Because this is not it at all whatsoever. And then the only other thing that I would like to say while unpacking the situation is if she would have swung on her, or she did swing on her, but if she would have connected with her, how many times was she going to hit her? Was she going to take her phone and not hit her after she hit her once? Would she stop? Was it continue? And then now what? Because now this teacher, she's going to get have some kind of injury if that child's fist connected to her face. So how are they going to handle the teacher? Now this teacher has to live with the fact that she was humiliated and was somebody's punching bag over a phone for however long. Now she's known as the substitute that got beat up. And she'll always be known, um, had this child actually connected with her, she'll always be known as the substitute that got beat up to the point where she will probably not want to even come sub in that sub in that building anymore, maybe not want to like, sub no. in that district anymore. And then children are seeing this and then who knows which child is going to test the waters again with her or another substitute teacher. That's why there's some teachers that'll tell you, oh, they do that with other teachers, but they know not to do that with me. Because teachers know that once a kid sees how they can get away with stuff with other teachers, they will try it with another teacher. So I I thought about that too. Like, well, I'm sad that this could be, you know, possibly the end of her substitute teaching, Yeah, but... At least she's not known as that teacher that got beat up or uh you know, you can go and be she's a punching bag because nobody should be cost next that the teachers are
1: gonna have to um think about the next time they get into that situation. And that is why I said mental health needs to be there was a student over in Cumberland Valley that um got hit unfortunately with a car. Mm. And um they had all kinds of support for the students. I really love how they set up certain areas for students to get help mm-hmm. and have a place to go, have a safe space to release that energy, and to try and mm-hmm. um, get mental health advice. And you know, if it needed to be further, they contacted the parents and say, "Hey, you may want to pay attention to this person a little bit more tonight." But after all of that. I ended up saying, Dad, like, they really did such a good job with the kids. I hope that the teachers got just as much support. Mm. Do the teachers, when anything happens in a school district, Mm. do the teachers have just as much support? Do they have um, a psychiatrist there to talk to? Do they have... Mm a safe space to go to to release because you have to be strong in front of the kids like you had mentioned your grandmother passing and you probably witnessed so many people's strengths but where do they go to finally release that because if grief mm-hmm. is stored grief becomes something else Yes. so where do teachers get to go right.
0: to to deal with that you're right I will say or do you have a Place. I will say that uh When tragedy hits, we do have counseling services in place for teachers. We do. Okay. We do. Um, So I can say that um, and I can say that it will continue. Like that is something that is in place. Um, The aftermath of a teacher being assaulted, I don't know. I don't know if, you know... Do districts say, Hey, I mean, administration is gonna check on you. Administration is gonna make sure you're good, they're gonna make sure you have your paperwork, file about what happened and doctor visits and all this, all of that. So there is a protocol to follow when the teacher is assaulted. But even though uh-huh. those things are in place, at some point your mental health can only take but so much. And it can be very gaslighting when they say, oh, put your mental health first and come to a mindfulness activity, but yet we still see teachers getting assaulted. And that's not Uh to blame administration because they don't have control over how students act out. But I guess what I'm trying to say is we can have all the supports for us that exist. But that still, no one wants to get assaulted. And until students and parents are held accountable, it's going to continue, unfortunately, to happen. I'm never going to condone a teacher hitting a child. Never, ever, 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 ever. I will say to your point, though, now that we're having this conversation, should we now consider mandatory restraint training even if you're not a special ed teacher or an emotional support yes. teacher, if you're even if you're just a regular education teacher, now we are entering a space where even your regular ed teachers should probably have restraint training. I could agree to that. Yes. Because then you don't have, because we already see the problem, right? But if we're here with next, we gotta be proactive. So then you don't have teachers defending themselves based on what they know, they can still keep their integrity and restrain and be okay. Yes. Yes.
1: And I think that needs to be even outside of like a behavioral plan, like um, an IP or something. It needs to be outside of that. There needs to be some type of clause Mm -hmm. that allows, because unless, honestly, unless a student has a weapon, a knife, a gun, whatever it doesn't really outline anywhere where a ch- a, a teacher can restrain or um, put their hands on a child. No, yeah. no. So you become, yeah, so you become sort of that punching bag to where the students can do and approach you in a certain way and you become an area where what do you do? You have to use your best judgment or what you're trained on doing, but there's no training in that area. No. If a child is in a behavioral Setting and they do certain things. The teachers and the staff there can do can restrain them. Mm-hmm. They can put them in there and hold them down, try to calm them down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But now that there are students that are outside of that setting that are showing this type of behavior, thing no, there's no there's no paperwork nowhere. Yeah,
0: you're spot but on, I Charlene. I
1: hope, like, yes you're spot on. That this yeah. creates that that. I hope so too, and because, I hope that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I hope that even in your that they allow something happens to where you can bring that to forefront. Because as we're growing in, um, as we're growing in education and we're growing in being parents and we're growing in time, mm-hmm. that is going to have to be that is done. Because if someone can take advantage, they will. And yes. there's a door open. It's going to. It's going to stay open until something gets done. Paperwork gets done um, and the teachers are more protected. Even the student is more protected as she could have restrained her. That would have avoided so much and just held her in a position until administration Administration came.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it's part of it. We have kids who do do what they do because they know, oh, the teacher can't do anything. And I stand yes. on that. I stand on that because that's how the human mind works. They could be a little bully-ish. Like, yeah, you probably could whip my butt as a full-grown adult, but I know you can't because I'm a kid yeah. and you can't hit me. So we you have that. Mm-hmm. We have that part. And then the other part, some teachers might say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable Even if I'm trained to restrain a child, because you get into that height, weight, size difference, all the restraining training in the world is not going to help you. So, you know, it's twofold.
1: Um, It is. But I, regardless, as a parent however big that person is, I would have appreciated if there was something that said, well, we did, she did answer, she did pick up the phone, mm-hmm. she did back herself into the corner, mm-hmm. but that was as far as she could go. Right. She couldn't go. If you open that field, then now we can say, and we use our training, that would protect them, that would protect the teachers You're a little so bit right.
0: More. You're so right. You're a hundred, I feel you, like I'm right there with you. Like, yes, yes. I'm saying yes to everything you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's kind of sad to think about that, but that's the reality. Um, I've had situations Mm. to where I had to literally push a student out of the way because a child was getting ready to throw a desk. And if that desk connected with that child... I don't know. what would have been over. It would have been over, unfortunately. And so um, I couldn't restrain the child that had the deaths, but I had enough mind and adrenaline to literally shove the other student out of harm's way. And it scared them a little bit, but they appreciated that. So I don't know where I was going with that. I guess what I'm saying is, Humanistically, we're all going to do what we think is best in that situation because that's what I did in that situation. And obviously, I didn't get fired. I did what was right. I don't have any specific training and restraint because I'm not an emotional support or special ed teacher. But my judgment was good. So it worked for everybody. But that's not always the case. And so I would much rather have protection that says... Yes, she did what she was trained to do in restraining this child. Only one thing, the only thing I would say about restraining is that you can still get hurt. Like, as the educator, I could still get hurt. The child, depending on how much they uh, fight back or resist, which I hate that word because we know that's always used to say black people are resisting arrest, but... Depending on how much the child resists or fight back, both the educator and the student could have some kind of injury to a degree, but it's way better than punching and kicking and, you know, whatever, banging yes. somebody's body up against. Whatever else to come. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, and that's why on the same token. Ask you another question. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: As an educator, Mm -hmm. with everything that's going on, does it make you consider retirement much more than before?
0: Girl, heck, yes. I am blessed that I have fabulous administration in my building. Um, I feel supported. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the woe is me educator in that aspect. We have a lot of things going on, (laughs) changes coming Um, that we're all trying to figure out and it could be a lot. I will admit that, um, the stress is definitely there. Um, dealing with the kids has become much more stressful. Like these are the new breed of kids. When I think of retiring earlier, the answer is yes. Do I want to be in the classroom forever? Absolutely not. I've been saying that probably since I started teaching, (laughs) um, my goal has always mm-hmm. been to get out before 20 years because I want to do other things in education more in a leadership role. I don't want to be a principal, but I know that I could be used in some kind of capacity. Why? Because that's the first thought I had. Everybody mm-hmm. says that. Everybody says that. I, oh gosh, I would have to really sit down and make a list of reasons why I don't want to be a principal. But um, yeah, no. I don't have the desire to be a principal I mean maybe that's something I need to reflect on for myself because I always hear you're a good leader you would make a good principal you do well with the kids you'll do well with the parents and that's not to say maybe those things are not true but I don't know Charlene I just don't I don't want to be a principal I just don't but do I want to get out of the classroom absolutely and I have like this plan in my head where my brand, Afrocardio, aligns with who I am as an educator as well. So if that plan comes together. Oh, it already does. It does. Oh, it does. Okay. It does. When I say, okay, so let me clarify. When I say um aligns, it already does. What I mean is to the point where I don't have to physically go into the classroom anymore. Mm. So I'm making, I'm making basically money and abundance and prospering without, you know, showing up as a teacher. I'm pretty much working for myself through my brand, but also still in an educator role. That is the dream. And I believe that if anyone's been
1: watching your progress, you have to have seen the same thing, like with you even having a studio and having your own, um, your own, you know, setup. It's just that Harrisburg for some reason limits your I don't want to say faith in God, but then I do want to say that because people you tell people, oh, I want I dream of this, this, and this, mm-hmm. and they look at you like, girl, but like it's not possible. Yeah. So that's why I said that, like this certain people that you take information to and I don't know if it's because of their upbringing or they're just that miserable. They just don't either. They don't want to see it or they're mad. It's not them. Yes. So I definitely can see why you would say not principle. But but I hope that you keep that same mindset as time goes forward, because I I hope and see the same thing for for your brand, you know, and it's going to be so. Um, much of a celebration once it does because watching you from such a younger age, mm-hmm. not even that I'm that much older, younger than you, but you've always played that big role. watching you from that into blossoming into this. Because I remember when Afrofit was just on Zoom, was just on Facebook, and mm-hmm. now look where you're at. So it's definitely, the possibilities are endless. I'm just hoping that with you, Moving forward, you keep this same bright, fun, you know, amazing
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, energy that you have. Because I know that you've been through some things that I don't even know if you've shared on the podcast, which I hope eventually you do. (laughs) But I think that it has changed your personality. Because, you know, sometimes when you go through things, it changes you and you become more quiet or you become, you know, less of a people person you become yeah. very much more closed in and you have not at all you have definitely no. stayed your authentic self so thank i you. just because of that i hope that in the future i can't wait to see how far how much farther god takes you mm-hmm. in this journey thank you
0: i'm excited i'm excited and same for you too Charlie. like even though give me one second <laughs> okay yes. So we did a little pause for the cause and Charlene and I were talking a little bit off air and we honestly don't know where we left off what we were saying, but... We are going to wrap it up because we could go for hours and hours and hours. But I think we covered, not I think, I know we covered a lot today. We covered a lot. A lot. And I'm just grateful for your wealth of information on, you know, taking care of yourself and your journey. And I'm so happy that you're healthy and you're on a healthy path. And I thank you for your words of encouragement. Um, I think before we took a little break, I was saying something to the effect of, I don't have a desire to be a principal. Oh, and do I want to retire prior to, like, retirement age? The the answer is absolutely. Uh, (laughs) uh, If I could retire by 40, I would, but that would be a lot of afro-cardio happening um, Mm full-time. But, you know, guys. Well, let's pray that. Let's pray that
1: because that's what you really want. So let's set that out in the
0: atmosphere so that, you know,
1: he that can run that, read it. Let's write that down. Amen. Let's definitely pray that so that your desires can be, because who wants to be, you don't want to wait till you actually have to retire at 60 and be doing this. Yes. Right. And your youth would be the perfect timing. Yeah. You can
0: travel with this. You yeah. can do so much more at, in your youth. So yeah. let's pray and touch Amen. and agree with that. Amen. I agree. Yeah. And then I still have that educator side of me. That's not going anywhere. So I have a, <laughs> a, a passion to do leadership work, um, outside of education. I'm sorry, outside of the classroom in education. Um so yeah. the two, the goal is to align the two and be um I guess you would say independent outside of working for somebody. We all just want to work for ourselves. So that is the dream. Um and yeah. dreams do come true. But yes, back to you. Thank you, thank you for being here and sharing your um, wealth I, of information, your experience, I know just in my heart, I already know what's going to touch somebody and where they are with their journey. Yes. And thank you for unpacking um, that substitute teacher um, segment. That is the actual Ooh, for girl. the culture segment. I kind of <laughs> neglected to say that because we got right into it, but that was, we rolled right into our <laughs> for the culture segment um, here on the fifth podcast. We have the guests we have the for the culture we have afro beats and eats as well and then we have the Fisperation affirmation all of which are not necessarily done in one episode but i always like for my guests to kind of pick and choose you know where they fit in and charlene was just like let's talk about it so she was with us for the for the culture yeah. uh segment today so thank you charlene so glad to have you on the Fispiration yeah, thank Podcast. thank you so much yes Thank you as well. And I am so,
1: honestly, so excited to see your journey move forward. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. And again, thank you for always being your authentic self. That's why I'm like, yeah, I'll do it with you because you've been you've been genuine and you haven't, oh my gosh, it could come to you with anything. You're, I know I'm going to get the honest part about it, mm-hmm. like the rawness. So thank you for, you know, still being that person because... Mm-hmm. Who wants a yes man right now, you know? And then who wants somebody that's not going to be honest with them about their path? So definitely, I just pray
0: that God keep you going. Thank you. Thank you. And to your point, you were saying about things that I've been through that I haven't shared. In God's time, I think everything will come and unfold as I see fit, if that makes sense. Yeah. God will give yes. me what I need to have when it's time.
1: And I'm gonna be toned right in. Hey, I'm like, yes, girl, let it out <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I yes, can't yes. wait. I can't wait. Yes.
0: Well, thank you, Charlene, and you enjoy yes. the rest of your day with you your beautiful too. children. All right. Have a good night. Yeah, I gotta get to these kids. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, thank you to my good friend Charlene for joining me on the Fispiration Podcast for episode 12. You know, it takes a lot of courage and strength to be transparent as Charlene was um, on this episode. And that is one thing that I've always admired about Charlene, um, even from a young age. Um, us in middle school, middle school, growing into teenagers and then young adults and even into womanhood. She's so brave. She's so courageous. She has no problem sharing her story and being transparent. One thing about me, I love authenticity. Um, You know, sometimes we confuse transparency with authenticity. We look for people to um, be transparent and spill all the beans um, in their personal life. And if they can't be transparent, then we say, oh, that's not real. Um, But I beg to differ. I think that um, transparency is more about what you're comfortable in sharing and then whatever that is that you're comfortable in sharing, you show up authentically. And that's what I feel like Charlene has mastered for as long as I've known her. Um, so again, thank you, Charlene, for your courage, your authenticity, your transparency, um, to share, to share your story and your journey to, uh, body positivity and, um, I think it's safe to say that we are defining body positivity as seeing yourself in its best way, in a healthy way. Um, she wanted to do the BBL, but then when she couldn't, she realized, "Uh, you know what? Doing this in a more healthy way or getting healthy, period, is more important than the BBL. And that is what I just find. Um, so phenomenal about her story, um, like many of us, um, weight weight gain happened over the pandemic, and um, you know you you do get uh, influenced uh, by social media, and you want to run and go do the quick fix. But when we can transform our mind, we transform our body. She realized that overall, what she really wanted was to be healthy and she did not in the end need the BBL to do that so thank you again Charlene so speaking of our body and body positivity today's episode's inspiration affirmation is about the body um specifically eyes arms and legs I am grateful for eyesight My eyes allow me to see the people I love. They help me to navigate the world easily and appreciate just how stunning the world is. My eyesight can help others who cannot see. It allows me to be creative and gives me my independence. I can read and learn easily. My eyes allow me to simply see the world and that is a wonderful gift. My arms, I am grateful for my arms. My arms can wrap people I love in them. They allow me to hold things right, type, and touch. They are strong, and I couldn't give great hugs without them. I can carry my sleeping children to bed with them or help my grandmother brush her hair with them. They enable me to do so many things like drive a car, ride a bike, and swim. Legs. I am grateful for my legs. My legs allow me to walk, run, jump, and skip. They are strong and carry my body around. They take me to the most amazing places and work hard for me every day. My legs allow me to run, which I love. They take me for walks and are my best mode of transport. They help me achieve my dreams, play sports, And ride my horse. I am very grateful for my legs. And all they enable me to do with ease. You know. Of course we know. um, There's more to our body. Than just what is on the outside physically. But when we do think about body. And our um, body positivity. Health should be the number one thing that we take into consideration and so the reason why we want to take good care of us of our body is so we can enjoy all those things that we are so grateful our body does so yes aesthetically pleasing is always fun and it's a good thing to look good and feel good on the outside but inside is what helps us look good on the outside so if we take care of ourselves within first it shows up on the outside so then we have that agile body for those arms to hug and embrace the people we love we have that healthy eyesight to see the beautiful things the gift of life every day And we have our legs to move and walk and exercise and dance and do all the things um, to transport us to do all the things that we love to do, whether by ourselves or with our children or with family. So when we think about body positivity, I like to think about a positive mindset that gives us a positive outlook, that gives us a positive body. Once again, thank you Charlene for joining us and sharing your body positivity journey. I'm so happy for you. I'm so grateful that you did it naturally. Um, I mean I know you you ended up having to do it that way, but you know with the risk of the BBL, Especially when I hear from people that I love, of course, I get scared. <laughs> so I, on the selfish personal side, am glad that you um, went on this journey in the most healthiest way for you in your body, because that is also a part of what bo- body positivity is all about, what works best for your body. So thank you, Charlene. And before we get up out of here on this extended, I'm gonna call it an extended episode of the Fitzspiration Podcast, because I think we're double time. But hey, that's okay. Sometimes that's how it goes, and it is what it is. That's how it flows. And the thing about podcasts is you can always pause it, come back, finish it at a later time. But before we get out of here on this extended episode of the Fitspiration Podcast. Please mark your calendars for the 4th Annual Afro Beats and Eats Juneteenth Celebration in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So you, if you are not in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area, you can come join us. <laughs> but for my locals who are in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area, this year is our 4th Annual Juneteenth celebration afro beats needs it's where we bring our afro beats dance workshop with a healthy eats luncheon what i what do i mean when i say for the culture juneteenth well we all know we're celebrating the rich rich culture and the freedom of black slaves for juneteenth which we can say is the whole month actually and what better way to do that than with a culturally accurate um afrobeat african dance hip-hop dance workshop and belly dancing yes belly dancing is back this year we had it last year um for the first time it was a hit we all loved it and enjoyed it and belly dancing is back this year afrobeats gets bigger and better every year so please join us we are at hack harrisburg campus That is One Hack Drive in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Zip code 17110. So put it in your GPS, aka the GPS, and join us. The building is J. Evans Physical Education Building. It's at the back of the campus, but you can't miss it. And there is plenty, plenty, plenty of parking. Hey, while we're here, I might as well get detailed. If you are coming through the main entrance, of hat you're going to make a right they're off to the right continue to the right and come all the way back to the campus like i said and the last building on your left is the j evans physical education building and to your right you will see plenty of parking space parking is free um come on out we have our healthy eats luncheon we have prizes, giveaways, raffle baskets, vendors, live DJ. Like I said, the Afrobeat Dance Workshop. I'm breaking down my signature Afrocardio dance fitness moves. I'm teaching you culturally accurate dances to the Afro beats. We're going to have a feel-good time. Oh, and how could I forget? How could I forget? Our host, comedian Matt Moyer, is back. Yes, yes, yes. For our fourth annual Afro Beats and Eats. Um, he's been hosting for us every year actually. Um, he brings those feel-good vibes. We really really enjoy him. He was on episode six if I'm not mistaken of the Fitzpiration podcast. You can go and uh, check that out. He has a very good transparent story as I was saying about transparency in um, his journey with Um, multiple sclerosis, and many, many more. There's many, many more um, layers to comedian Matt Moyer. Not just that, but he was dropping some gems for our male listeners and even our female listeners because, hey, let's be honest, we have males in our families that we love and adore and we want them to stay healthy. And, of course, we laughed it up as we chopped it up because that's what comedians do. So um, we're grateful to have him back at the fourth annual Afro Beats and Eats hosting it. Uh, Comedian Matt Moyer. Is also um, a local, he runs a local news station here online called Local Channel 5 Ratchet News. You'll hear all about that in episode six of the Fitzpiration podcast. Don't be afraid to go back. Check out the previous episodes. And as always, thanks for joining me today and uh, take care of yourself. Bye-bye. I have been remiss in mentioning two things. Um, First and foremost, always have to give credit where credit is due. I got so excited talking about Afrobeats and Eats that I did not say um, where our Fitspiration affirmation came from this episode. Today's Fitspiration affirmation comes from the book, Finding Gratitude, Simple Ideas That Can Change Your Life by Rebecca Lipp and Nicole Perry. Secondly, I did not tell you the date. I don't believe I did. The date, the date I am referring to, the date for the fourth annual Afro Beats and Eats. Can you tell I'm excited? <laughs> so excited I left that out. Okay, so the date is Saturday, June 24th, 2023 um, at Hack Harrisburg campus um, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I think I left that part out too. And you can grab your ticket on Eventbrite. Yes. Um, if you follow my social media, which I encourage you to do, the link is posted on Facebook and Instagram. And on the website, so you will find you will find the Eventbrite link for Afro Beats and Eats to purchase your ticket. Tickets are twenty five dollars or two for forty five. Hope to see you there. Thank you for joining me today. Follow me on Facebook at Ashia J Afro Cardio. That's Ashia, A-S-H-I-A, J, Afrocardio, A-F-R-O-C-A-R-D-I-O. Follow me on Instagram at J underscore Afrocardio. And you can visit my website at www.AshiaJAfrocardio.com.